Hey guys, I just wanted to reach out to you and let you know that Surewinder is still selling amazing products. Some of you guys have been dragging your feet for whatever reason. If your shoulder hurts, do not waste time. Pull the trigger. I just bought uh, four or five of them and uh, we had two guys out. You know how much it cost me to pay for two guys being out with bad shoulders? We just pulled the trigger and we said, listen, everybody's going to have one on a truck. It's mandatory. You got to use it. Don't hesitate. Don't wait till your guys go down. It's going to cost you more. Buy a Surewinder. It's not every day someone invents something that changes the game. I found out about this product that I'm talking to you about uh, and I had to try. So I ordered a few and after using it, I'm sold. Now we stock them on our trucks. It's called Allbrace and it will help you sell more service and buy you time until doors come in. There's never been a greater time for a product like this. Phil has a video on his website of him cutting a door literally in half, installing the all brace and running it like nothing ever happened. It is literally incredible. One of the greatest selling videos I've ever seen. You're gonna wanna check it out at all-brace.com. They gon' know me as legendary. You in the stands, I ain't need no commentary. If you the competition, you gon' get buried. I don't cheat on the game, we gettin' married. They gon' know me as legendary. You in the stands, I ain't need no commentary. Ain't no option, ain't no secondary. I just throw it out like a hell man. Hello, Garage Door Nation. This is Ryan with Torture Talk Podcast. And uh we're staying with along the long the same theme that we've been doing all season. And uh well, we just kicked it off, but uh, we set out to find some of the best guests that we thought would be able to help us in our journey to uh, increasing uh, the information that we have in our toolbox to find employees, uh, keep employees, and make our companies better. And so um, we have a guest on today. Her name is Deanne Turner. And uh, we're going to get to her in just a second. And then we have Tamara in a box. Say hey, Tamara. Tamara Hello. Tamara's in a box because her video is not 16 by nine. It's like four by three. So I always say she's in a box because she's got a lot of black space on the sides. Um, So Deanne, do you prefer Deanne's how you want me to call you today? Yeah, the only person who gets to call me D is my mom. So okay. Deanne's great. All right. I'm glad I got that off to a good start. Uh, Deanne uh, was with Chick-fil-A. Uh, she is um, an author, uh, best-selling author, right? That's correct. And uh, and she, she's gone into the consulting um, world. And if I get any of this wrong, please let me know. But and I'm going to let you kind of do your own thing. Uh, but 32 years at Chick-fil-A corporate. Um, and she's got tons of experience when it comes to employees, understanding, uh, culture and how to get, how to get the best out of your employees and how to get that top, top down buy-in, uh, from everybody. So we're going to talk a lot about that today. And I thought there would be nobody better than somebody from Chick-fil-A. And we came across her and she was kind enough to join our podcast and only charge Tamara, like, I don't know, $50,000, whatever it was. So, uh, Deanne, thank you for coming on the podcast today. Uh, how are you? I am great. It's my pleasure to be with you today. Yeah. What, um, tell me a little bit about your background. I know I gave like a high overview and I may have butchered it, but uh, tell us a little bit about your time at Chick-fil-A and then some of your books and what you do now. 
Sure. Well, I did spend uh, about 33 years at Chick-fil-A and 30 of those years was in the area of talent. Some people in previous life, it was called human resources, but we thought talent was much more appropriate term. And I led that area of the business for about 20 years, helping develop and strengthen the culture of Chick-fil-A and selecting thousands of Chick-fil-A franchisees and also corporate staff members among a lot of other typical human resource type responsibilities. Uh, I won't bore you with all those details. After spending uh, 33 years there, I had the opportunity uh, with about 100 of my other fellow colleagues at Chick-fil-A to take an early retirement option, and I decided to do it. I had I'd always wanted to be a writer all of my life since I was eight years old, and I had written my first book, It's My Pleasure, uh, in 2015. And I had really enjoyed the speaking that came with that. I was speaking about 50 times a year. And I had this contract for two more books um, sitting on my desk. And this opportunity came up and I said, you know what? I'm going to do what I've wanted to do all my life. And I knew I couldn't write. I learned my lesson. It's hard to write and promote a book and be you know, a leader in a big organization as well. So that wasn't going to work. So I decided to go ahead and take that retirement and uh, wrote my second book, Bet on Talent, which really is an updated and revised version of It's My Pleasure. So if any of your readers are out, excuse me, your listeners are out trying to find It's My Pleasure, it's selling for some unreasonable amount of money on uh, Amazon. Don't buy it. Just buy Bet on Talent for the normal book price. And uh, all the information that's in It's My Pleasure is in Bet on Talent, uh, which is how to create a remarkable culture that wins the hearts of customers. And then my third book came out this past March, Crush Your Career, How to uh, Land the Job or Ace the Interview, Land the Job and Launch Your Future. And I say that Bet on Talent was written to teach leaders how to find and keep extraordinary talent and Crush Your Career was written to help talent be extraordinary. So um, I've enjoyed over the past three years uh, continuing all of that speaking and engaging with leaders on one hand and then being on college campuses. I'm an executive in residence at High Point University in High Point, North Carolina, Um, all kinds of campuses I've been on in the last uh, few months. And I'm just really having the opportunity to learn from these leaders who are doing what your listeners are trying to do, find great talent and talking to the talent about what they're looking for and bringing that together as a match. And then as opportunity provides me, I spend some time with a few selected organizations that help me keep my information fresh and the challenges fresh and doing some consulting. And I also do some coaching. Uh, So if any of your listeners want to find me, uh, go to deanturner.com, D-E-E-A-N-N, turner.com. You can find all my books there. Um, You can find my podcast there. I'll soon have a Um, e-course that'll be up there. Um, So lots of, and and free information too, lots of freebies on there. So I hope that your listeners will find me at dnturner.com. And uh, while you were doing that, I bought Bet on Talent audiobook. A lot of our listeners are big audiobook fans. So um, that's exciting. Well, thank you. I appreciate that, Ryan. I I hope you find it really helpful for you. I'm sure I'm not I will. that quick on I'm not that quick on the button, but I will be ordering Crush Your Career as well. <laughs> awesome. So I want to dive right in because um, I feel like if I was given the opportunity to talk to you all day, I would, and I don't think you want to. Uh, so let let's get right into it. We we talked a little bit before the podcast about some of the challenges our industry faces. And I've got some ideas on things that that I think we can do, but 
uh, I want to get into like the nitty gritty stuff. And, um, you know, for, through my opinion, just in my experience of working in different companies, culture sets the attitude and then attracts talent. Um, and so I really want to spend some time on culture and how Chick-fil-A, how Chick-fil-A got to the point where people wanted to work there. Right. And then what, like, what did it take? And you don't just start a company and everybody wants to work there. Like you guys had to have done some things right in order to accomplish that. And then you have standards that are pretty high. So, you know, a lot of times I think as business owners, we get to the point where we're like, what if we ask too much of our people, you know, and does that crush the culture um, and buy-in and all that? So will you talk to me a little bit about how Chick-fil-A, uh, what you guys did to get to the point where people wanted to work for Chick-fil-A? Sure. Well, really, you go back to it's a business that is founded by one individual, Truett Cathy. And he started from the very beginning of focusing on this idea of culture. He may not have had all the words for it, but he knew how he wanted his customers to be treated. And so he treated his people really well because he did want them to treat the customers that way. And I, I agree with you, Ryan. Everything is foundational on culture. Let's not even get into talking about how you attract people to come work for you until you have the right foundation of culture set. Now, first of all, people start asking questions, okay, what do you mean by culture? Well, what I mean by culture are some principles and ideas, not so much the behaviors. The behaviors come from that, but I think there are three major elements of, a, of an organizational culture. First of all, it's the purpose. I, I say that you have to have a meaningful purpose, a reason to exist at all that people will buy into. You Your see- why. Yeah, it's the why. And this why is so important because one of the things, there, there are three elements- uh, your why takes care of two of these. There are three things that this next generation, I assume that's who your listeners are employing right now, millennials, younger millennials, and Gen Zers. There's three things they want. They want a remarkable culture, and we're going to keep talking about that. They want to be a part of something bigger than themselves, being part of an important why, a meaningful why. And then yeah. third, they want opportunities to grow and develop. So this purpose is really, really important. Chick-fil-A is a great example. I stayed there for 33 years and I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have done that. I mean, it's great chicken, but you know, not for 33 years, it had to be something bigger than that. And what I bought into at 21 years old and continued to buy in the whole time I was there was we were doing some more important things. We were, we were literally having an impact on the world through what Chick-fil-A did with the profits that were made and the influence they had in the marketplace. So meaningful purpose is number one of this foundation. Number two is a challenging mission. What are you going to throw out there as a big goal for people to go after? And, you know, for us, and, and let's break it down to individual franchisees, because that, I think, applies so much to your listeners and where they're at, because these are small business owners. Mm -hmm. And they, um, so what are these franchisees, what kind of goals do they set for their employees well, they're obviously setting sales goals. That's exciting when you break those records and right. you go after a big goal or they're setting a profit goal or they're setting a, 
um, a food waste goal. I saw that be when I, the last three years I was at Chick-fil-A, I led sustainability. And I saw how team members got really excited about, wow, we're not wasting this food anymore. We had this program where we took edible food waste and we diverted it to people who needed it the most. It went into programs to create yeah. fresh new meals for people. Yeah. That was something that those hourly team members bought into as a big mission. Let's reduce food waste. So you get a big mission um, that you want to accomplish. And then thirdly, um, the third element of a remarkable culture is demonstrated core values. And you'll notice I said demonstrated because if the leaders aren't living out whatever those core values are, they're not going to stick. They're not going to be integrated into the organization. So it's really important that leaders, <coughs> excuse me. It's really important that the leaders um, demonstrate those core values for their team members. So that's what I call the foundation. You have to establish those things first. All right. So those three things are key. And it's something that you said, like, I'm a huge Georgia Bulldogs fan, right? And go dogs. Yeah, go dogs. Uh, all right. So I already booked my flight and my room for the national championship. I did that like a month ago. I'm very optimistic. I'm very optimistic. <laughs> Uh, I, I don't blame you. I would, too. You know, that's something else we have in common, Ryan. I'm a huge college football fan. My oldest son played at Georgia and my youngest son uh, plays at Wake Forest now. So we have a Wake huge Forest day is having a killer up. season. Yeah, we're having a huge day on Saturday. We've got Georgia Probably because of your son. And Wake. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. So what position does your son play? Your son play now? At Wake? He's an offensive lineman. OK. And what position did your uh, other son at Georgia play? He was a. uh tight end. And then they had so many injuries. This was back 08 to 12. And okay. they had so many injuries. They moved him to defensive end, which he never really played any more than that. Cause that was the years of Justin Houston, if you remember. Oh yeah. Uh, so anyway, but, Chiefs. yeah, but it was, it was good, good days and still are. Yeah. We're having a ball at wake. It's a lot of fun. Well, you know, the, um, everybody's been talking about what's, what has clicked for this team? Like what they've always had talent there, you know, and before the season, you heard a lot of Kirby smart talking about this team. So close. They're so close. This whole thing, the pandemics brought them close together. They're so close. They're so close. Uh, we've got leaders who send the message that I used to send and I don't have to do that anymore. And they, they, I've heard multiple interviews where I guess they went through the the practice of understanding their why and they shared it with one another mm -hmm. and guys would hear another guy's why and be like, man, I can help you with that. And they were learning about what drove each other and what motivated each other. And, you know, and they started really, you know, when you understand that about somebody, it's easier to care for them. It's easier to understand maybe where they came from or how they act or why they act the way they act. Um, and so, I get really excited when I hear all of that happening, especially for the team that I, I enjoy watching the most. But when, when those guys are, you know, early twenties trying to figure out life, they got a full load on them, school, class, girlfriends, which is enough, right? Uh, mom, dad, brothers, sisters, you got fans, you got all this stuff, right? But, but when you zone it out and you say, Hey, here's my why, this is what I, this is why I'm here. This is what me being successful is going to do for me and my family. And I'm focused and ready to go. And when everybody's on that same page, like, man, it's so powerful. 
and having the right people in the right place and ha- and everybody knowing the why and having a why is important. And so I'm a big fan of uh, what you described and, you know, and even more so because George is going through that now. <laughs> well, that's a great example. And then I think about, I think about some of the Chick-fil-A operators that I know. Um, you may have read the book, The Dream Manager by Matthew Kelly. Um, and if you didn't, basically what Matthew Kelly says is that, you know, you need to understand what the dreams, and you could translate that to the why, but the dreams of the people who work for you. And that's one of the things, you know, when people say, how do you get such great people at Chick-fil-A? Well, one of the things these franchisees do is they understand the why or the dreams of their employees. And they know that most of them are passing through on their way to something else, but they really try to help them accomplish their dreams. So, you know, a couple examples. One of my favorite is there's a Chick-fil-A uh, franchisee that he brought his daughter to the office, the corporate office, and uh, she met Truett Kathy, and he remarked on what a beautiful smile she had. And it encouraged her so much that he decided he wanted to help other people have beautiful smiles too. And so one of the things he started doing out of his own pocket, not out of an insurance policy, but out of his own pocket, was giving orthodontic care to some of his team members. And it's a tough would, conversation. Yeah. Hey, teeth are jacked up. I'll pay for it if you want to go. Like, I've always thought about that. Well, <laughs> the conversation must be, but uh, people are very self-conscious of their, of their teeth a lot of times. And so I, I love that because, you know, I tell people it's not about the teeth that make the smile. It's, it's about the smile. It's about what you're letting out, not what's in the smile. Right. Right. Well, that was, you know, that was one of the things he did. And by the way, if they couldn't make it, they didn't have any transportation to go to the orthodontist, the, his wife would go and pick them up and take them to the orthodontist. And I I ran into him not long ago. And I think he, a couple dozen pairs of braces later, he's still doing this, you know, or somebody who, I mean, you know, the most common one is they want an education. And so that, Chick-fil-A franchisee is helping them get an education through the money they make and the scholarship programs that are offered through Chick-fil-A. There are, you know, grandparents that want to contribute to the grandchild's education. And so they're there working for that reason. But these these Chick-fil-A franchisees, one of the things they'll do, they'll find out what their dreams are. And some of them are pretty out there. Like, I want to go on a mission trip. Okay, let's make that happen for you. And so they get engaged in their lives to help them do the things that they want to do. And that's how they get the buy-in for them to be focused on winning the hearts of customers. Yeah. One of the best thank yous I think I ever received was I had an employee, uh, Andrea. She, she worked for me at the software company I was at. And one of her life goals was to do a triathlon. And she hadn't really done any of that before. Um, I think she had done some 5Ks or whatever, but that was it. So it was like a big daunting task to her. And so I held her accountable and asked her, you know, are you practicing? Are you staying on your game? This, that, blah, blah, blah. And she did it. And she called me and was like, I did it. Like I did it and crushed it. And thank you. And because I, your, your accountability helped me get there. So it's not like you have to pay for braces or any of that. It's, it's finding someone's wire, finding things that they love and then just asking them about it. I think is powerful too, right? Because it shows oh, them yeah. that you care. And then a lot of us, we, we, when we have garage door, you, it's the same thing. We have business owners who aren't accountable to anybody, but maybe their employees 
well, they come into this group and we talk and we hold them accountable to the things that they tell us they need to do. And so accountability is huge. And I'm learning and, and adding accountability to my life. Um, although I like elbow room, so uh, I have to keep people at a little bit of a distance, but um, I do believe accountability makes a huge difference with everybody. And so it can look like braces. It can look like accountability. It can look like, you know, encouragement, encouragement. Yeah, which I think accountability and what you described is another form of encouragement, but yeah, it can, it can just simply be knowing what the green or what their why is and caring enough to ask them about it, and encourage them on their path. Absolutely. That's I'll tell you huge. one other thing that I just realized not too long ago, cause it's, it's, I think that the garage door industry is way underappreciated by the common person. Like, uh, did you know there was a garage door industry prior to us talking to you about it? Actually, yes, because okay. we, we not long ago, we went through the process of buying new garage doors. So um, I, so while I wasn't specifically familiar with you. I was very familiar with the industry because we had to go through that. I need to work on my marketing then because (laughs) maybe you did. We may have it. I don't even know it. Yeah. Well, that would be even worse. uh, (laughs) Yes, true. So the, uh, the one thing that I've learned, and this was a lot easier at the software company because it was big, it was fast, it was growing, it was exciting. People are going crazy. It was a little bit noisy and you walk in, you feel the excitement, right? And and when I went to, you know, Silicon Valley in San Francisco and I'm hanging out with tech companies and there was just excitement in the air. It's like, man, what's going to happen next? It's exciting. It's adventurous. It's it's crazy, right? Like, uh, and then you, you go and you work for a, a garage door company and you're trying to recruit talent. And it's like, oh, your garage door company. Okay. <laughs> you know, and it's like, oh yeah, but listen, we're growing. I just launched a showroom and I've got plans to launch other locations and we have the best company culture you'll ever have. Like you can come meet with my team and they'll tell you how much they love working here. And there's, you can sell your dream, you know, as business owners, we got to be visionaries. And I think that's what Dan Cathy did so well is that he was able to have a dream and articulate it and get people bought in on it. Right. Sure. Yeah. And I absolutely. think selling the dream helps with recruiting too. Yeah. So what really what Truett did in terms of selling the dream uh, was that he gave franchisees an opportunity the way he put it, because it's such a different model was to be in business for yourself, not by yourself with very little money up front and no cap on your income. So um, which was there's not another franchise agreement like it. And that was that was part of what he did in order to help other people, again, live out their dream. Well, always wanted to own my own business, but I don't have the money to go into business. That's how he made it happen. That's how he garnered the kind of loyalty he did over time, which, by the way, translated into how those team members, those hourly people serving the customer treated by the franchisee. But you all. Yeah. And he was selling the dream because he he makes you work for his company at a location for a certain amount of time, right? Um, no, that's no? Okay. no, no, that's not part of the requirement. Pressure. Yeah. No, I'm bad, full of bad. That's, that's Russian collusion, misinformation right there. But uh, <laughs> the employees though, right. They can, they can move up into management and then have an opportunity to get a franchise. 
So there's that, it's the opportunity that I think that a lot of people get excited about. The exactly. You, talk, t- you touched on that at the beginning. Yeah. At the time I was at Chick-fil-A, about 66% of the current franchisees were former Chick-fil-A team members. So that opportunity certainly existed for them and they could they could be a part of that dream or it was a place to make extra money on your way to being whatever you are next, whether it's a U.S. senator or a doctor or a teacher or whatever it is you're going to do. Um, it was just a great place to, to garner leadership skills to take somewhere else. Consistency and in everything, including price, reliability, quality, not just quality, but great quality control. These are things that describe Somer USA. Somer's not some startup company, not one that you need to be worried about. They're in over 100 countries, and they have locations in 20 countries. This is a large organization who stands behind their product and works through integrity. And there's not another company out there willing to drop what they're doing and help you out like Somer. These guys are awesome. Not only have they been loyal to the Torsion Talk podcast, they've been loyal to the technicians and the owners of the companies who install their product. In my opinion, if you're not at least offering Somer as an additional option, you're cheating yourself. Listen, first-time dealers, I've got a special for you. If you buy 10 or more Somers between now and the end of the season six, while supplies last, We will offer you free shipping. You have no more excuses. The prices are great. The product is amazing. Go check out Somer USA and order 10 for free shipping. I'm going to tell you guys a marketing secret. You want to gain more social media likes, shares, and follows? People love unique and cool projects. There are no better photos to share than the ones on Schweiss Doors social accounts. These guys post some incredible things. Make sure to go there and like and share their Facebook and Instagram post with your business account. So if you like their business account, you can share their uh, their post. The Bifold Doors are awesome and they're doing some great projects that will go viral on social media if you share them. Go right now to Schweiss Door on Facebook and check out some of the projects they share and like their page. Oh, and don't forget, no one builds a better bifold than Schweiss. How do you guys get, like, I've had maybe one experience that wasn't great at Chick-fil-A and you guys are hiring kids. I'm sorry that happened. Yeah, no, I mean, like, it's not that it was bad. It just wasn't great. Like, it's always great. Yeah. And, I mean, you have these little things, like, I left my wallet one time, and they're like, oh, don't worry about it. Just pay us next time. I'm like, what the heck is wrong? (laughs) They're going to put a tracker on me. But you have all these scenarios, right, where it's like, um, how how do you get teenagers? Because I see these young kids, right? Like mm-hmm. 18, 19, 20, 21, 22 years old, and they look like they're enjoying it and they smile and they're happy. And, you know, they're working at a fast food restaurant. What 
how does that happen? <laughs> like, it's hard enough to get to motivate my kids to do anything. Like you guys have thousands of them and they're, they're kicking butt and enjoying it. I don't understand. Yeah. I think now there's about 200,000 employee, our wow. employees that work for Chick-fil-A franchisees. And what's amazing is every one of those franchisees are the employer of those team members and Chick-fil-A incorporated is not, has nothing to do with the selection or the management. Right. Um, which when you stop and think about the consistency of the brand, um, I know what it goes back to though. Here's my, here's my thought. It goes back to the selection of the leader that runs that restaurant. And so Chick-fil-A puts an inordinate amount of focus and investment into selecting great leaders to be their franchisees. And these are people who are servant hearted, who um, are interested in representing a brand, not just what's in it for me in this particular restaurant. And they build relationships. Those smiles you see are a reflection of the relationship that they have with the franchisees and the leadership of that restaurant. They're happy there. And it all starts with that selection, getting the right leader. And when you go in and you don't have a great experience, I think it points back to probably not a great leader there. Um, and that's true on any brand. I, I uh, travel all the time. I guess you picked up on that. And I'm very loyal to a couple of, uh, to an airline and to a hotel brand. Delta? And, uh, Delta would be my airline. Absolutely. Me too. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I went in yesterday, I, I was flying back home yesterday and got a, you know, thank you for being X million miler and, and diamond medallion and all those things. And, and I, I actually said, well, it's my pleasure because I've, you know, been on some of those other airlines and I'm just going to stay with you. Um, and then I have, a, I'm not going to tell you which hotel brand because I have inconsistent experiences. I happen to have a great one this past weekend. I mean, phenomenal in a place you wouldn't have expected people to be so overly friendly and yeah. servant oriented and just every, they just knock themselves out. And I'm not talking about a particularly expensive hotel. I'm just talking about your everyday average brand. And, um, but we have these inconsistent experiences. And then, you know, sometimes when it's bad enough, I'll say, I'd like to meet the manager. And when I meet the manager, I know what the problem is, yeah. you know, and everything's a reflection of leadership. So if you want to have great employees, it starts with who you select as the leader for that particular business. So I've always been a Marriott and Delta person. And I, I must say, uh, for the most part, Marriott, seven out of 10 of them are phenomenal. Uh, but there has been some inconsistencies in my travel over the last, you know, 10, 15 years. But uh, I'm, I've tried others and the odds are, are a lot higher of getting a bad experience. But I love Marriott and Delta. So plug to Marriott and Delta. Uh, both of them have treated me very well. Um, so what is it that you think, like home services is very different than a restaurant, right? And there's not a whole lot of people that wake up thinking, man, I want to go work for a roofing company or I want to go work for a garage door company or a HVAC company. Um, what, what do you think are some things that we could do either as an industry or individually as business owners to get the word out that, Hey, this is, this is a great opportunity. You can make a lot of money here, right? Like we pay people very well and it's fun. Uh, it's challenging and you get something different every day. 
what are some things that maybe Chick-fil-A has done or you've seen in the workplace that you think we could implement in the home service industry that might attract some talent? Sure. Well, let's go back to what I said early in the conversation. I said that this generation in the workforce are looking for three things. They want a remarkable culture. So we spent a lot of time talking about what that looks like, about what the most important elements are. And you want the whole recipe for that. I'm going to unabashedly uh, plug bet on talent to fill in the blanks on all the rest that we didn't get to talk about. Um, but I, we've gotten the basis for that. The second thing is, you know, what I said, they want to be a part of something bigger than themselves. So that's up to the leaders. Like, What kind of vision am I going to paint here? Um, that somebody can be a part of, you know, in my explaining why I'm in the home services business, it's because I want to do X, Y, and Z for people. And then the last thing, and this is big, they want growth opportunities. And so that's, if you can provide growth opportunities, you can make your business as exciting as, as any of the things you see as, um, like you're talking about software sales. I mean, or, or, you know, people are in software sales. That's, that's uh, pardon the term. I hope it's okay to use it, but you know, it's sexy, you know? And, and so, it is. and so how do you make home services like that? Well, you give growth opportunities because if I can come to your business and um, I can learn some new skills and you invest in me and you spend time really knowing what my dreams are and helping me achieve those, I'm going to be bought in. I'm going to be loyal. I'm going to want to come be a part of that. Um, if that's what you're committed to. And sometimes I think the thing is, is that we're trying, one thing, we're trying something, a quick fix. And unfortunately, you can't turn your business around tomorrow to be an attractive employer. It takes time to build that. You know, people ask me how long it took me to write my first book. I said about 50 years, because at that time, Chick-fil-A was in business. It taken them about 50 years to build that. And um, you know, and it and hopefully it won't take you 50 years, but it does take a little time to get that going and it's not an overnight fix. So what do people do? They back off because what I'm describing takes a lot of investment of time and money um, to get it right. And so people, they back off because like, I don't have either of those right now. I just need somebody to be on the job tomorrow. And if that, you're never really gonna get out of that rut. Now, I tell people all the time right now, you gotta survive where we are. There's no question. If you're one of those people, you don't have enough talent to some extent, you've got to survive and get through. But while you're surviving, work on these things that I'm talking about, because all of this is cyclical. And this cycle we're in right now will eventually end. But you know what? There'll be another cycle because and it happens about once a decade, according to my career. And so yeah. there'll be another cycle. So don't be in that situation when the next one comes along. Yeah. Decide that you're going to change that and you're going to be prepared. And you're actually going to have talent on board that's going to withstand some of those challenges that come when we have one of those kinds of cycles. Yep. What are you guys looking for in people? Because you can't just hire anybody that's going to stand back there and take orders with a smile, right? I mean, it's a personality. It's a there, there are some characteristics that you guys must be searching for when you're going through the interview process. So I'd like to talk about that. And also a lot of our, our guys in our industry maybe don't understand a really good interview process. Do you guys have a philosophy for that? So what characteristics are you looking for and what's the process of the interview? Okay. So, and let me remind you, you know, I, I can't speak for Chick-fil-A and where they are today because I don't work there anymore, but I can describe to you what I looked for when I select the talent for Chick-fil-A yeah. and when I help other organizations now think about how to select talent. The first thing we always look for is a heart of ser for service. 
we were at, we were in the service business. You're in the service business. So you don't want to select people that don't really want to serve people. I'll give you a quick example. Um, I actually, one of my sons worked for a Chick-fil-A restaurant when he was in college. Um, we were talking about earlier, he was a football player. And so in the off season, he went to work for the local Chick-fil-A. And this guy was really smart because one of the, the jobs that a lot of people don't like to do is in the back of the house, we call it breading chicken. And it's where you put the season coder on it and you flatten out the chicken and you get it just right to go in the fryer. And it has a lot to do with how well it covers the bun when you eat a Chick-fil-A sandwich. That's a really important part of the process, but it can be monotonous and it can be physically demanding. And so um, that was what my son did. But being an athlete, this guy was smart. He had several athletes back there. Guess what? They got competitive to see who could do the best job and the fastest at it. And you know, my son was home one time and he said, you know, mom, I don't really like to stand behind the counter and say it's my pleasure to people. And I said, then you can't stand behind the counter. You better stay in the back breading the chicken because that's right. the job standing behind the counter. So that's part of it is, is figuring out where people's skills fit in and um, how they're um, And like I said, this guy was a genius because he figured out, you know, that Barbara could stand behind the counter. She wasn't going to be a great chicken breader. But she could sit there and smile or stand there and smile at the customers and say, it's my pleasure all day long. Yeah. So um, that's a big part of it. But finding people who are willing to serve and have a heart for service is always number one for me. The second thing I look for is people who had a good track record. And, you know, if I was selecting franchisees and I was looking for leadership tra uh, track record, if I was selecting uh, hourly employees or um people who are not in leadership, then I'm looking for a track record of making good decisions. If people make good decisions in their life and at other employment or in school, those things, then they're going to make good decisions um, with me too. That's not saying people are perfect and they make mistakes, right. but do they learn from their mistakes and move on to not make those mistakes again? Um, so I also, I had this formula, character, competency, and chemistry, and character always came first. Um, today, it's the same way if I'm selecting talent, uh, character that matches my organization, matches the culture of my organization, which means that this person's personal purpose, mission, and values align with that of my organization. They don't have to match exactly, but right. they align. They can buy into that. Secondly, I'm looking for competency that matches the role, of course. They, do, they, do they know how, can they do what needs to be done? You know, if I'm in the garage door business, they have an aptitude. Um, maybe it's sales you're working on. Okay, they they have a um, the type of personality that people want to talk to them. Do they have enthusiasm for the product they're selling. If they're installing, do they have that technical acumen to learn how to do that correctly? Right. Do, are they detail oriented? All those things are competency related. And I didn't just look at competency for the role that I had today, but what about competency for roles that I know I'm going to have in the future? Is this somebody who can grow in my organization? And then lastly is chemistry. And that's really hard. Chemistry, what is that? It's not joining arms and singing Kumbaya together, although that's great when people get along. But it's really about, do I come into this organization and I have the collaborations, collaboration skills to come together with my team and influence other people, even if I have a different point of view, because that's really what you want. You want people to, to be able to bring their different points of view and their diversity, if you will, in that situation, and yet be influential enough that the, the rest of the team is able to collaborate around the ideas.
So I would look for those three things. So the next question you asked me and the people listening are saying, okay, great. But how do you get at that? Right. There are two, there are two elements of the process that I think are really important. The first, obviously, is how you interview. And most people aren't very good interviewers and they don't even know it. Um, they think it's just, okay, we're just going to sit down and have a conversation. I'm going to get to know you and I'm going to have a gut feel whether or not you're going to be a good employee for me. That's not a good interviewing skill. <laughs> you want to use behavioral interviewing. So for those who aren't familiar with behavioral interviewing, it's based on the premise that past performance is the best predictor of future performance. So you really want to focus on what people have actually done and you want to get examples and hear stories about it. So you're going to ask questions like, tell me about a time when you were really, you really made a big mistake at work or if that, you know, if they're entry level and they've just come out of school or whatever at school, um, what'd you do about it? Um, they're going to give you the example. What'd you do about it? What kind of feedback did your supervisor give you? So what did you do to make sure that you never made that mistake again? So you're having a whole different kind of conversation. If you, if you have 10 questions like the one I just asked and you go deeply into the follow-up questions on that, you imagine the amount of information you have at the end of yeah. that interview? Okay, I got a gift for your listeners because they're going, wait a minute, wait, you're talking fast. How do I get these questions? Go to my website. Remember, that's D-E-E-A-N-N D-E-E-A-N-N dot, uh, uh, excuse me, let's try that again. D-E-E-A-N-N Turner, T-U-R-N-E-R dot com. And you can download for free my 25 top behavioral interviewing questions. And they'll actually, <laughs> they'll actually give you, um, in parentheses, it tells you what kind of answers you're looking for for those questions. That's so, awesome because I got two interviews tomorrow and I'm going to go prepared. Okay. Well, there it's because I'm the gut guy. Yeah. I, I, well, I literally, I sit there, they hand me the resume, I glance over it, I look for a couple things. What kind of jobs did you have before? How long were you there? And then I'm like, all right, tell me a little bit about yourself. How are you today? You know, what do you love? What what motivates you? Like I ask questions that are like, feel good, you know, whatever. And then I sell the dream. I try to sell the dream, right? Like if I feel like they're, they're a decent opportunity to come on the team and contribute in a positive manner, I'll try to sell the dream. And then I try to pull it back in and see if they're interested. Like I have a philosophy, but it's all like, and then if it all goes well, I'm like, you're hired. Yeah. And they're like, oh, cool. That was, <laughs> that was different. And I'm like, yeah, it was nice. <laughs> but I've literally hired like 300 people. Well, how good and were you at it? I, I would say above average because. I think you're a great interviewer. I remember ours and you were, I mean, you did ask some, some interesting questions. I remember being a little caught off guard. Like. I'm a nah. strange dude anyway, but <laughs> I think that, I think that I need, I don't know. There's people that I know won't work. And then, you know, I'll shut those off. Like I had a, my first 10 minute interview a couple of weeks ago. Um, and I was polite, just said, you know, uh, I, I think we've figured out that you don't like being in traffic. That was a killer because you shark <laughs> in traffic all day and, and just hit on a couple of things he said. And I was like, you know, uh, unfortunately it's probably not going to work. Uh, but then you have these interviews where, you know, and I'll spend an hour, hour and a half with somebody talking to them, getting to know them. And then I, I, I loved, I used to love, I don't do it as much anymore, going to lunch with them mm -hmm. and, 
And if it's a big position, I'll ask their spouse to attend mm-hmm. because I love to see the interaction between the spouse and the husband. If they're at each other, like, uh, I think it's funny. And then uh, I'm, I'm asking questions and trying to figure out if they're on the same page, if the expectations of this job is the same. And then I also love to see how people treat the server right? The person serving our meal, because if they're not a thank you or a please that hurt, that hurts me. And I'm just like, okay, well, I'm not going to make my decision based off of that, but it means a lot because if you don't say thank you and please to her, are you going to say thank you and please to our customers? And so for me, like I know I, uh, my mom, if she ever caught me not opening a door for a woman, she would hit me upside the head. And so it's natural to me because I did it for so long and I've even had a lady fuss me out for it because she's empowered, but uh, I still think it's the right thing to do. Um, It's, it's classy, it's respectful. And, you know, we don't have a lot of that anymore. So I love when I meet, when I love when I meet people and they're just respectful to strangers or people serving them. And, um, and like you said, a servant's heart, like people who recognize that typically have a servant's heart. And so that's why I love going to lunch with people, you know, and uh, you, you just kind of get to see, you talk about like attention to detail, you can figure out like how they eat. Don't judge me of how I eat, but um, you know, and, and you can't look too deep into those things, but I do appreciate they're talking with their mouth full and spitting food everywhere. It's like, well, okay. Uh, so there's little signs that you could do and that's how I do it, but not everybody can do that. And I've interviewed probably 500, 600 people. And I normally hire about 50% of them. Yeah. And usually, you know, 70, 80% of those people work out, but I'm excited. And I've always wanted to have something more official. So I'm excited to get your questions and test them out tomorrow. Well, I think you're doing a lot of things right, Ryan. So we're just going right into a consulting um, discussion right here because you, I, uh, I think Bill just doing- went up Tamara. <laughs> I think you're doing a lot of things right. And when you said, hey, about, I think you just said 70, 80% hit rate. And I think you add in some good behavioral interviewing and you might get a higher hit rate. And here's the other thing you might get out of that is we're in a, we're in a market right now where you can't afford to miss good talent. And when I first started out in doing HR work and interviewing people, I didn't have any formal training. I was an ad, this is another story for another day, but I had a background in advertising. And um, so I thought I was doing the gut thing too. And I used to think in the first 30 seconds, I'd know whether we were going to select somebody or not. And what I found out is that's a good way to miss talent. Mm-hmm. I might have, I might have been doing a good job of not selecting the right people, but I may have been missing some great talent to come along because I was judging too quickly without really asking the kinds of questions that uncover what somebody's ability is. So that's one thing I think that um, that might help you benefit a little bit. And then I love what you said about selling the vision. You have to do that because only 50% of the decision is yours. The right. other 50% is theirs. So that's a very important part of the interview is making sure that you're um, selling them on the vision of, of what you're doing in your business. Um, I love the going out to lunch thing or to dinner, something we employed a lot at Chick-fil-A. Um, that is the way to get to know people. It's like, come in, we'll eat lunch and chat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I have to go somewhere, but yeah, that's uh, it's a lot easier for you guys to do it that way. Yeah, absolutely. Free sandwich so, and you get to learn a lot about somebody. 
Sure. Um, so all of those are great, uh, is great methodology. But if you had to pick one out of everything we talked about, and, and some of the people listening to this don't have the luxury right now of multiple interviews because talent it moves so fast, they don't have yeah. a lot of time. So there are two things. If you don't do anything else, employ the behavioral interviewing model so that you maximize, if you have one interview, you've maximized that and you receive some good information. And secondly, don't skip the referencing step. Most people do right now. They're not taking the time to verify what you heard in an interview that's really true and that people have actually done the things that they've told you that they've done. Yeah, that's me. I'll skip it. Yeah. So my team holds me accountable now. Like we had the, we, we had our managers meeting today and I told them that I got two interviews coming out on Wednesday and she's like, uh, Tisha, she runs kind of my, my talent. Uh, she, she's in charge of like always trying to improve company culture and build relationship on a more one-on-one level and making sure that, uh, you know, healthy mind, healthy body, healthy emotions. And, um, and so, with that, she reminded me, she's like, oh, hey, we have an SOP for hiring. Make sure you follow it, by the way. And I was like, I forgot about that. Okay. So I'm so used to doing everything, you know, by the hip. And, but that's another thing too. Like when we started implementing SOPs and processes and structure and organization, when we brought in more professional people, I saw that they were more bought in. They, they, when we were kind of uh, wild west, you know, gunslinging type that attracted people like me, which are crazy. And you probably don't want too many of me on your team, but the professional people would come in and be like, Oh my God, this is a little chaotic. Like, I don't know if I could work here or not. Right. So that structure and organization was great, which is why I love to show off our, our warehouse because everything's spotless and Tyler shout out to Tyler. He's amazing job of keeping way to go Tyler (laughs) way to go Tyler, but it's a recruiting tool. Yeah. Really, like it helps to stay organized. But when I walk somebody out there, like, holy cow, like we just um, had some reps from one of our uh, suppliers come in and he's like, Ryan, I travel the country. There is not a cleaner warehouse, more organized. I've never seen one this organized before. And when I walk people back there, that's the same feeling. So I, I love doing the tour because people... People love that, right? And and they see that organization and the structure. And we talk a little bit about that when we get out there. And, and it shows them professionalism and it shows them a high standard. You've set the standard by taking them in the warehouse without ever opening your mouth. They yeah. see what the standard is in your business. You've communicated something. So that's great. Um, what a great thing to do. And um, I, I'm sure that's very effective to commuting me- communicating messages you haven't even thought about. So if you guys have messy warehouses, I'm going to steal your talent. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, But it could be one of those things where if you just organize and get some systems and processes in place, you don't have to say it. You just walk them around and people see that the level of excellence and the commitment to detail because you're asking these things of them. Right. And like she just said, Deanne just said, it's a 50, 50, commitment from, you know, you have, you're only 50% of the decision. They also have to decide to come on board and it's not all about money. Deanne, is it all about money? It's never all about money, except if you're a college football coach on this particular day, it's not about money. (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. Well, listen, I think we've covered almost everything uh, that I wanted to cover. Is there anything that you want to share 
that you think will be helpful to our audience. And then I'd like for you to just cover one more time where people can go uh, to either hire you for your coaching and consulting or buy your books and whatnot. Anything else? Wow, we've really gone um, deep on a lot of things here. Um, I can't think of anything else, um, but just again, yeah, find me at dnturner.com. And also I have a DN Turner author on Facebook, uh, at DN Turner on Instagram. Uh, nice. Connect with me on LinkedIn. I love I love the material we can share on LinkedIn together. And then also, right and, yeah. and occasionally I hang out on Twitter, especially during football season when I want to know Good what people you. think. <laughs> Staying hip with the young kids on Twitter. I know. I don't even have Twitter. Jeez. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. So thank you so much for accepting our invite. Um, you're amazing. I can tell. Uh, I can see why Chick-fil-A kept you for 30 years. Uh, and uh, what, a, what a contributor you are to society for teaching business owners uh, how to how to get and keep good talent. Because I think that's that's a key component to, to the world right now is especially never been more important, I think, than right now. And for home services, it's extremely difficult. And um, we got to, we've got to, what was I going to say? This was actually, it was funny. It flashed in my head a second ago. <laughs> going to make working in blue collar job great again. <laughs> you like that? I'm not, uh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> Might get you in some trouble, Ryan. I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Copyright infringement, uh, trademark. So, but, uh, yeah, it's been my pleasure, Ryan. Really great to talk with you. I've enjoyed the conversation and, and I know it's really tough right now. It's tough for every industry out there. And I just want to encourage you to keep at it. And if you'll do the right things, eventually you're going to pay off and you're going to have the talent that you, you desire and you deserve. I appreciate that. That's awesome. And guys, listen, this information, I'm going to, I'm going to, I've never done this before, but I'm going to ask you to, uh, once this is over, go back and listen to it again when you have time with no distractions and get a pen and a piece of paper and really go through this because I think that there's a, there's a recipe that Deanne has laid out that is going to help you with your biggest problem in your business right now. And so, um, I think it's important. And if anything else, like I've talked to you guys before about uh, allocating funds to recruiting and uh, finding the right talent and making that uh, happen right. And make sure um, you, you know, food and entertainment is hundred uh, percent deductible now. So uh, do all your interviews at lunch, <laughs> write it off. Not financial advice. At Chick-fil-A. That's a good place. Yeah, Chick-fil-A. Yeah, take them to Chick-fil-A. Full circle, full circle. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, everybody, for joining Torch Talk Podcast and being a supporter. Please check out her books. Go to Amazon. You can buy her audio book and listen to it on audible.com. And you can go to dnturner.com. We'll put it in the description of the podcast and YouTube video. And make sure that you download or uh, write down the 25 questions and the answers you're looking for and utilize those and see how that's affected and give us feedback. Let us know how those have affected your, your uh, decisions. We'd love to hear it. So hope you guys have a wonderful day. Be safe and talk to you soon.